0: Welcome everybody once again to the Retired Army podcast. Today we're going to dig into a topic that's been asked by a bunch of people and we're going to try to distill out a few of the a few of the things that we think are the most important when transitioning from the military, five lessons learned from our transitions and um, of course talking to other folks out there. So let's just dig right into it. So the first thing I wanted to highlight is pre-planning, and that's really like the overarching kind of thing that you want to do. Pre-planning we do it in the military; you should be doing it in the military, um, so that you don't fail to plan, <laughs> plan to fail, fail to plan, whatever it's called. Yeah, um, <laughs> it really helps out because you're you're trying to plan out. Let's just call it an operation. It's the operation retirement. And that's really like a two to three year planning cycle that you need to sit down and really think hard about and get as much done up front as you can and talk to people and get things put in place. So let me jump into the first uh, point that we want to make here. And it's the importance of having your documents uh, from your career in one binder, one place. I wish I had my binder with me. I apologize. It's in storage in the States but I do have a binder. It's about seven or eight inches thick, and it's literally one of those three-ring binders full of document protectors and documents jammed into it and everything. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is basically all your medical records. If you can get copies of those, scan them, put them on digits. Any of your awards, any of your 214s, your DD-214s, if you have them from, say, reserve time or National Guard duty or something like that, potentially you have some some extra ones that the active duty folks might not have. And you want to get like the paper copies in one place. And you also want to sit down and see if you can scan those. There's different ways of doing that. And I don't know how you went about getting all your paperwork together, but maybe you want to talk about that real quick. Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just went through this whole thing myself. So uh, I, it was, it was kind of getting a hold of every different section like medical and it wasn't too hard because, you know, on the base that I was at, everything was kind of, close by the admin section, the medical section, all that stuff. So um, it was, it was fairly easy, easier than some of the bigger bases. Cause mine was like a smaller type airwing, wing, um, air wing base, but uh, yeah, getting the medical stuff, you know, and a lot of the stuff is digitized now. So you can request your, your paper copies. But at that point I went straight to like the copy machine in my office. And I just sat there for like hours, you know, unfolding things, putting everything on, on a, on a thumb drive. Right, so the big thing that I learned was, you know, uh, hard drives fail. <laughs> so make multiple copies of these things. Um, I know for a fact because my I have a SanDisk, one of those rugged ones, and I uploaded everything on there. Like all my, um, I took uh, my fit rep, my fit reps, which are like the evals, right. Um because that's where you gain all the information from what you've done over your career, you know, to build your resume. I scanned all those things, I scanned all my medical, dental documents, um, any awards, you know, like the uh I love me binder is what I what I call it, all my awards and all that. Um and I uploaded them to thankfully b two places, a thumb drive, dedicated thumb drive, and my sand disk rugged drive. And sure enough, I go to plug it in one day, try to pull my DD two fourteen off there. And uh, it no longer works. It doesn't even recognize it, you know, so I got to send that in. But that goes to show, you know, make several copies of this stuff, you know, upload it to the cloud if you need to. If it doesn't have like socials and stuff like that, uh, put it on a thumb drive and then put it on another drive. Because at some point in time, something's going to fail. So big lesson That's learned right. on my side. Let that be a lesson to anybody out there, too. If you want to take it, please take it. If not, well... Uh, you know, at, <laughs> at, <laughs> you work through that if you like, um, but don't, yeah, don't take it at your own risk. Right, right. But yeah, it's uh, it's all about gathering things. And I started my transition probably. I, I started thinking about it at like my 15 year mark because I mm. knew like I wanted to make it a, just a 20 year thing because I wanted to try something else out. Right, not that I didn't love the Marine Corps or anything like that. It's just a matter of you know I can't do this forever. Um, I ultimately knew that I was destined to go to like one of like three places and because of my rank um, and I didn't want to go to any one of those. So I was like, all right, well, I got to start thinking ahead here. So five, five years prior to, I started thinking ahead, you know, how am I going to do this? Start asking questions, start inquiring about tap, you know, of course they won't see you until you're like closer to your date. Right. But at least start asking about it or anybody who's Who's gone through that transition? Um, what what other documents are there? The uh, the fit reps, the evals, the medical, the dental. Um, maybe start looking at life insurance because that's a big thing, right? At some point, your your uh, what, what is it called the what SGLI SGI is going to run out, so you might want to start looking at that. That's something I'm still looking at. You know, preferably do it before you actually do your VA appointments but something you definitely wanna look at if you're thinking about getting some life insurance after you get out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely, I second that. I have this little thing right here, it's a SanDisk. Uh, That's exactly one of those the one I have.
1: Rugged Careful drives.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would buy two of these or three of these if you can. Yep. They're Actually, um I think they're actually on sale somewhere. <laughs> it's like one of those places that you go get office supplies, you know where they are, so you can find them online but we can mm-hmm. actually put like a link in the description down below as well to a couple cheap. of these things. Uh, maybe even investing in a scanner. I did invest in a scanner that was pretty heavy-duty. I think it was like a four or $500 scanner that mm-hmm. I happened to pick up for pretty cheap, but uh, it literally was like load all the papers and just hit the button, and it literally scanned everything pretty much straightforward, and it was really easy. And then, as you mentioned, uh, cloud storage. There's plenty of providers out there you can go through um, to get places in the cloud. And I would say even beyond that is somewhere in the cloud where you can not only get to it from your desktop or from your PC, but also from your phone if you need to. Because <clears throat> you always have your phone with you and you never know when you need like a date or something off of one of those documents. And then uh, in that, I would say, try to find a labeling system. Just sit down and figure out like, do you want to label it by date? Do you want to label it by... So you can categorize and put things together, so it makes it a little bit easier to find. Um, scanning it and getting it electronically filed is one thing, but then sorting through all that, and I say that, and I know you've experienced it as well, like all these videos that we record, all this content that we record, and it just gets stuck in these folders on these drives, and then you've got like this big folder. It's just like sorting yeah. out your documents yeah. at work, too, so. Yeah,
1: yeah it, do- it does get to be a pain <laughs> if you start doing it too late in the game. Um, I started doing mine probably about like I said, five years, four years prior to. So it wasn't that bad. But, you know, I've seen other folks like start accumulating all their stuff like months before they're getting out and they're like, Oh, they're they're just stressing. It's it's a stressful situation, right? So yeah. do it ahead, you know, think ahead and you should be fine. Cool, and
0: let's look, move on to the next point. Uh, gathering all your gear, and it sounds kind of silly, but mm-hmm. uh, you accumulate a lot of stuff over the years, no matter what service you're in, whether it's like tactical gear or stuff that you've signed from supply that you've carried with you from duty station to duty station. Um, one thing you would want to do is try to get all that stuff together in one place, maybe in a couple duffel bags or a couple tough boxes. And then the the next thing I would mention is I know in the Army for sure, and Vic, you can talk to this in a minute, uh, but we have a system where you can actually pull up your records and find everything that you've ever signed for from the military. And so two two cool things about that. At least you have a, a list of everything that you've signed for so you know exactly what you're accountable for. And the other thing is being able to take that, sit down with your supply, NCO, or whoever's in charge of supply, and they can quickly and easily go through it with a pen or they can reach out to somebody who knows And they can mark off the things that you for sure need to turn in and the things that you don't need to worry about. Because there's probably a bunch of stuff on that list, how many pages of stuff it is that you've accumulated for 20 years or so um, that you don't necessarily have to turn in. Things like T-shirts and socks and things like that because it's items that have actually touched your skin. But again, just get with your supply NCOs or your supply folks and have them uh, go through that list with you. And then take that list home and try to identify this. So because some of those things are hard to identify, especially if they're fifteen year old items, right? And you try to pull them up online and search <laughs> for them and you can't find a picture of it or
1: anything. So Yeah. So <laughs> in the army, they give it they give it to you for the long term Then you. So you actually like PCS with your gear. Is that right?
0: Yeah, active duty for sure. Uh reservists, you pull it as you need it, I think, and then you kind of you keep like a running tally of certain items, but most mm-hmm. of the time you just get it when you deploy or you get it when you're getting ready to go on exercise or something like that, you can get it ad
1: hoc. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you on the Marine Corps side, it's a little bit different, at least from what I've experienced and everybody else else I know. Um, mm-hmm. so every duty station you have to, it's part of your checkout. Sheet. You have to turn in your stuff at the individual issue facility, right? Or we know it as it used to be SIF. Now it's if, um, basically they, when you go check out all your stuff, they give you a, you know, a receipt of what you've, what you've checked out. Uh, It's all kind of serialized. So it's kind of hard to to tell what everything is. When you go to check out, you have to turn all that stuff in. Um, So that's exactly what I did when I, when I went to go check out, you know, like I had like, you know, uh, my, my helmet, my, my pack and all that stuff. Um, You know, the ISO mat, you know, turn all that stuff in. Um, If you don't if you don't have it, you have to do like a missing gear statement, uh, either you pay out of pocket or, you know, if it's something low cost, maybe like you're, you're missing like a, I don't know, a pouch or something like that. They can just write it off or something. Um, I will say don't go on Facebook marketplace and try to buy like a serialized flack, uh, cause you're most likely going to be met with like, uh, an undercover NCIS agent. So be careful with that. <laughs> uh, you know, or don't sell that stuff. Right. But, um, you know, if you have something like that, either, you know, I guess turn it in or keep it, I guess. I don't, I don't know. You didn't hear from me. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, yeah, all that serialized stuff, man, you got to turn it in every duty station at the end of every duty station in the Marine Corps. So definitely, like, I don't know if you want to do what I did. Like, if I knew that I wasn't, like, a deploy or anything like that, I just kept that stuff either in my office or in my closet, you know, in yep. because they're going to make you clean it anyway, right <laughs> They won't uh, let twice, you turn it in. probably. Yeah, yeah. So uh, even if you haven't worn it. So uh, just keep that stuff like all together in the pack. And that way you don't lose anything. You know, uh, there's been many times where I've lost stuff and I'm like, shoot, where am I going to get this extra pair of gloves from? And, you know, I either right. got to go out and buy it just to replace it, you know, because some of the stuff they do sell it at the exchanges, you know, but uh, it's just a matter of keeping your stuff in check and make sure where all your stuff is, you know, don't it in the back of your pickup truck i did have a marine by the way who put all his gear in the back of a pickup truck went off base went out to eat somewhere and of course he came back and there's nothing in the back of his pickup truck so don't be that guy you know keep it out of sight out of mind yeah yeah and
0: i would say also uh in my experience was if you do need to find some pieces of equipment there usually if you're near a base usually there's a lot of surplus stores that are nearby Mm -hmm. bases you can that's usually right. pick up stuff like that for a pretty decent price, but yeah, it's it's better to just keep it in the plastic if you're not using it. Keep it in a storage space in one area. I've always carried my stuff in duffel bags and foot lockers, and I've had them like spray-painted and marked, so I know that that's my military gear. Um, and then, of course, like you accumulate a lot of stuff over the years, and I say accumulate, I don't mean you steal it, but... Yeah. <laughs> You you definitely uh, acquire a lot of things that mm-hmm. you you may or may not be able to use, and if you can help somebody else out in the process, and you don't want to keep a hold of that stuff, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people are out there are looking for certain items. So oh, absolutely, yep, yeah. yeah. So let me move on to number three: uh, taking an audit of your finances early and figuring out where you would be if your entire paycheck disappeared, and then working back from that point. Um, and I say that That's because. A good one. Once you get out of the military, once you retire, once you transition out, um, that paycheck essentially kind of stops for at least 30 days uh, because they have to do audits from DFAS and finance and and make sure that you don't owe the the government any money and things like that. So, um, But even then, even after that, retirement check is probably about half, 50%, 40% depends on how many years you served uh, of what you actually made. And that's not including things like per diem and, you know, housing allowance and all those things go away, right? So you definitely want to prepare for that. The sooner the better. If you can start two years out and put away half of your paycheck and you have the means to do that, by all means, I would encourage you to do that. I would definitely not uh, discourage you from doing that. But not everybody's in the same boat. We all have different circumstances and I understand that. So I was definitely not in that place. Uh, But it's definitely something you want to think about and keep in the back of your mind. And even when you do your financial planning sheet for TAP, um, hopefully doing it early, but you just want to understand that there's, you're you're going to have to pay for healthcare and insurance out of pocket in a lot of cases. Um, There's there's things that you get from the military that you don't realize that you don't get them. And I think you even made a, a, a short about this the other day where you're like, why
1: don't i have all these benefits like why you know (laughs) kind of like why did i leave the military (laughs) that's that's right that's right and that's that's (laughs) um you know it's a big hit though i'm still like on terminal leave and i still have yet to eas so i am you know still getting my military paycheck and i'm about to get my new jobs paycheck right um you know you want to do the the calculations you know there's apps Mm -hmm. out there um that'll kind of help you look at what you are going to be bringing in as you know you retire or after retirement and it's not going to be it, it will be 50% but then you know deduct you know taxes deduct if you're getting like sbp or anything like that or um any kind of other thing attached to that you know just deduct that so even though you're you know it might spit out a 50% amount of say like 3000 a month you're actually going to get after taxes and everything maybe 2500 You know, so it might might be a little bit less. So you have to think ahead here. Like, how am I going to, am I going to be able to live with that amount? Am I okay with that every month? You know, Um, how will I live? How will my family live? You know, if you have a family, where will I live? Will I be able to cover all my my bills, expenses, food, et cetera? You know, car payment, if you have one house payment, if you have one. Um, What I did was, you know, I, I got a, a civilian job. Uh, as I was still on terminal leave. So, you know, currently right now I'm working for, you know, the Navy as a contractor, but I also am technically active duty still right on, on terminal leave um, because, you know, I just wanted to have that that seamless uh, transition of not having to wait on something uh, as far as like, you know, the, the paycheck and all that stuff. Because I know it can take like 30 days. I've seen 60 days where people are like, how are we going to live? That's a bad position to be in. So, yeah, definitely think ahead. Think ahead. Um, another thing that I, I did that I think I, if you are dual military or maybe even your wife is working, husband's working, et cetera, one thing that we're doing or we've done for a couple years is um, just live off of one paycheck and then save the mm-hmm. other one or invest the other one. I've been doing that with my wife for a while. She is um she's a DOD employee. We live off of her paycheck and my paycheck as a chief warrant officer in the Marine Corps, uh, we just been kind of putting it away in a money market account. So it's been accumulating, you know, interest as we go along and we've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, so that if, if you can manage that, if you can swing that, that's definitely like something that's helped us out and, uh, you know, it could help somebody else out too.
0: Yeah, because you definitely want to make sure that you've at least set aside, and that's also kind of like a caveat bullet. Is just set aside some money for emergency things that may come up, and you really don't know oh, yeah. what those emergency things will be until they happen. So that's it's, it's going to happen. One of those yeah. ways to plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you're talking, and your your glasses explode and fall mm-hmm. into a million pieces. Small expense, yep. small drop in the bucket, but uh, it's yep. definitely a way to think about it and, and try to keep it in the back of your mind. So oh, yeah. number four, let's move on to resume building early and often. Uh, try to spend, or at least what I would recommend, is try to spend at least one day a month up until you get to retirement to just review your resume, go over it, look at it, maybe reword some things, read through it, because mm-hmm. for one, it gives you a good sense of what everybody else sees, like how much it grabs your attention, how much it is succinct and to the point and another thing is you can go back and catch typos of course but you can also go back and reword things and move things around or if you say you earn some some industry certifications along the way you can add those to your resume as you go so it's almost the same as building your your um your annual review before you get to your annual review you're taking notes along the way and really, if you just take one day a month, like literally, it's not that big of a, a commitment and it'll give you a really good feel of what your resume is, what it looks like. Plus, you can bounce off of other people's resumes. Um, we have a an episode that we did. We talked about it, about Hire Heroes USA, uh, Hiring Our Heroes, and a few other places out there that do resume writing and and help you out with that. And we'll try to link that to that episode. But um yeah, you definitely wanna to try to career. dedicate time to try to get into your resume. I've been doing it for my whole entire career. Like every six months or so I would sit down and just review my resume, edit things, take things out, move things around, shorten it up, whatever you need to do to keep it relevant.
1: Yeah, I think I think my issue with the resume was civilian civilianizing <laughs> the wording, right? Um, so the way that I write my fitness reports, it's like, hey, I did this, 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 you know, just kind of like straight to the point what I did. And that's my fitness report bullets, my my evaluation bullets. Um, you want to, as far as the civilian side, and this is feedback I got from a fellow retired Marine after I showed him my resume. He's like, hey, dude, uh, I like what you've done here, but you have to civilianize this because we don't know what this stuff means. Don't use acronyms you know, kind of Barney style a little bit, but you want to show what you've done. You don't want to say led 500 Marines, you know, whatever. Okay, got it. You've led them, but what does that mean? Like, what exactly did you do to complete that mission, right? So you want to dissect that a little bit. That was my issue too, because I was talking in like generalities. I needed to get to the point, you know, like I oversaw this, which led to this, you know, or a office of you know, 50 Marines, uh, that led to the accomplishment towards this, you know, so just be more specific. And, um, once I I started dissecting all my stuff, like all my evaluations, uh, I only took like 12 years of my evaluations, right. From the time I was like a staff sergeant to, you know, present. And, uh, it was like, I had like three or four pages and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta dumb this down a little bit. Um, you know, just make it a little bit shorter because nobody's going to want to read unless you're like doing a federal resume. Nobody's going to want to read through like four or five pages of this stuff. Just take your top things and just put them on that resume, like your most recent work, right? There's no reason why I need to write what I did as a PFC. If I'm, you know, <laughs> applying for a director of whatever marketing position, nobody's going to care what I did as a PFC, right? So just take your, your most recent, most valuable um, uh, pieces of information, throw them on the, the resume. And by all means, reach out to somebody and have somebody take a look at it too, to see how, how they see, you know, to give you some feedback, you know, like that, that organization hiring heroes USA wrote my, my resume for the first time. Of course, I was going to have to, you know, make a couple changes to it based on what I know and what I've done. Uh, but it's fine. They gave me the, the bones of it. And I'm, um, happy that I went with that because I would have never been able to to complete that myself right it would have been just I I know how to do military stuff military speak but I needed somebody from the outside to show me how to speak civilian speak so 100% uh, recommend hiring heroes USA yeah and for our uh, fifth and final bullet we may have a
0: bonus bullet we'll see But the fifth bullet that I definitely wanted to tap on was one that we speak about a lot, and it's figuring out skill bridge bridge path and start making the coordinations for that with your command, as well as with the organization that you're trying to do your skill bridge with. And then what you would want to do is basically set up the path and the timeline of getting to SkillBridge. So you basically hit it at the 180 day mark before you actually ETS or EAS. And up till that point before that 180 day mark, what you would definitely want to do is reach out to organizations if they're not part of the SkillBridge. If you go to the SkillBridge site, which we've talked about in another video, uh, and you look and they're not in there, you can actually coordinate with them. So if you go back far enough in advance, you can ha- you can set yourself up enough time to go to the local place that you would like to do Skillbridge with that may not be on the site already. and you can coordinate with them and Skillbridge and get them on the site so that you can then later go directly to that organization. You can basically kind of grease the skids to get into that organization pretty easily. It's not too painful. It's just a little bit of a lengthy process yeah. and it takes a little bit of time. So bridge, or you don't see an organization or you just don't happen to make it, you can do what I did and you can create your own skill bridge through volunteering, through internships, uh, coordinating with people locally. It's just a matter of asking the question. Don't be afraid to ask um, because the worst thing I can say is no. So if they say no, then you move on to the next one and you talk to somebody else and um, that's definitely another option, especially if you've already passed that, that timeline and you've already gotten out of the military, that's something that you can set up for yourself.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, skill I would say, keep up to date on the SkillBridge orders that your commands put out. Not every command is as, uh, as willing to let folks go on SkillBridge. bridge. I'll put it that way. Um, it was easy For me, because I just kind of walked my stuff into the Sergeant Major and the XO's office, I I knew them, so they were able to approve that pretty quick. Um, I was seeing some some chat online about some changes in the Marine Corps for SkillBridge. Um, I think partly because people are using it as a way to just get out a little bit earlier. Um, But, you know, definitely keep up to date on those orders because they definitely can change. Uh, depending, you know, if you have a change of command, the new commander doesn't like well, you know, how things are going with skill bridge, keep up to date with your command stuff. But with that being said, if you can get on skill bridge, it is an excellent, excellent opportunity for you to get out there and, and see a different world, get your foot in the door at a different world, the civilian side and just intern, right? You're still getting your Marine Corps or your, your military paycheck. Uh, you're, you're learning a new skill, a new craft and, uh, You know, it could definitely work for you. But if SkillBridge isn't for you, there's other things out there like uh, there's vet tech. There's a ton of, ton of different veterans organizations that'll get you certified. I mean, I'm looking at some myself, specifically vet tech, right? I think they used to to be called VNRE. Uh, Basically, they give you a certification for like cybersecurity or some kind of IT uh, certification. And uh, it's all paid for or you can even get like, I've heard of people getting their master's degree with that. So it's a possibility to to look into that, you know, but SkillBridge is awesome to get your foot in the door. Um, I, I fully recommend it to anybody who, you know, who, who's looking at something like that. And as far as what you mentioned, John, with um, with getting with another company, as far as if they're not part of the SkillBridge program yet, I heard that there's a backup on that. So definitely get with that company. And have them apply to be a DoD approved skillbridge partner at least six months out before you're even looking to apply, because it could take that long. It has to go through the entire DoD pipeline and all that stuff. And as we know, the government does not work quick, right? No. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely start early. You know, I know, I know. It's a surprise, <laughs> but start early. No way. Start early. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. Cool. And with that,
0: let's uh, let's throw in one bonus, because why not? Sure. Uh, bonus work. one, number six. And this kind of applies across the board. Uh, it's, it's a two-part bonus. The first part is create a calendar, set up a calendar, whether it's a digital calendar, a physical calendar, whatever you got to do. If you have an appointment book, something like that, set up a calendar and start tagging the things that you need to do. Even if they don't have a date set already, get some tabs and just make some little little post-it notes or some stickies or whatever for those things. And then when you figure out what that date actually is, you can stick it on there. The second half of that, I would say, is share that calendar with your family, with your Mm -hmm. mom and dad, with your brother and sister, with your spouse, with your children, so that they also know, so that you don't have any conflicts, right? Because some of these things are going to come fast, especially when you get to the VA stuff. The VA stuff comes fast and heavy, and they want you to be there like You know, a week from now, and it's going to be three hours away from the house. So you need to make sure that you share that information with your family, keep the communication lines open with everybody. So everybody knows what's going on and everybody can kind of plan around that because it is a significant event, retiring or transitioning out of the military. Uh, And I'm sure that they'll respect it even more and try to help you along more if you share the information with them and let them know what's going on. So they're not blindsided by last minute, you know, things that happen.
1: Oh yeah. And I, I got one more that I want to throw in there really quick. It's, it's networking, networking, really quick. Networking is key. I cannot stress this enough. Um, a lot of jobs will hire you based on knowing you, who you are, your personality. You know, it's, it's based on who I've applied to and how many applications I put out there versus how many, uh, applications have gone through the resume pipeline for me. Uh, the only ones that actually made any movement was the ones where I knew somebody in the organization. You know, like this recent position that I got here was because, you know, my family knew the person that, who was in charge and they were looking for somebody. And I'm like, hey, look, I just retired. I can do the job. Um, so it's it really is who you know. So, you know, activate that free LinkedIn premium year that all transitioning service members get. Um, it's completely free. I don't know how much it costs because I'm still on the, on the free side, but go out there and network as much as possible. Go to these, you know, veterans events, go meet people, go talk to folks face to face because they want to see your personality. You want to be able to mesh well with the people that you're hiring. So they're going to want to meet you in person or at least know of you, right? It's, it's rare that I've seen somebody get hired on a high level position, um, who, you know, and where the company doesn't really know them, you know, so you want to get out there and actually make some face-to-face contact, you know, press the flesh per se. And, <laughs> uh, you know, may, you know, make do, do some quality searching and, and talk to folks.
0: Awesome. So we got two bonuses in there. Nice. I need one of those air horns in the background. It's like, <laughs> we got bonuses. Cool. Well, uh, we don't want to take up all your time. We don't want to definitely waste the internet. So we're definitely not going to do that. But uh, thank you for being with us. Also, to let you know, we're found everywhere on the internet, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, etc, etc. You can also find us on Wreaths Across America Radio Network on Wednesday evenings at 11pm. Go check us out there. They support us. We're trying to support them. It's this mutual bonding, and we're networking with other people to make this thing better and make their stuff that they're doing better as well. And until next time, uh, we're going to dive into five things that we wish we would do earlier in our career. I think that's the next one we're going to do. So we'll see you all next time, and thank you very much, Victor, again for being here,
1: and thanks everybody out there on the Internet.